Greetings, family. I'm here today to talk about um, some of the challenges that you might face if you are thinking of opening a bank account. Um, These are things that no one told me. And I was like, you know what? While I'm having this thought, I need to share this with you all because this may be a challenge for some of you as well. Um, I thought it was important to talk about this because I had a situation which I felt could have been prevented if it was handled appropriately. Um, But y'all would be proud of me because you know I didn't cut up, get an attitude. I was very patient. I think I was more patient than most people might have been. And it probably was because I was taking care of other business. But let me just give y'all a scenario. So as you know, I'm in my new space um, and I was staying with someone when I came to the continent. I knew that situation was not for me and I had to get out of there. So my plan initially was that I was going to stay with this individual, um, give them, you know, American dollars to help them out. Um, And I felt like I was helping myself too, because I would have been helping out another repat, you know, Um, and then exploring the Gambia to decide where I was going to finally settle if I decide to settle here or Sierra Leone, like that's still on the table, right? So with this individual, I know it's not for me. Now I got to start looking for a place. So um, the day of my appointment to go see the place is when I met my driver. He was kind of like in between his situation as far as his finances because he does uh, tours for his um like a a company out of Holland, like he has partners that are from Holland. And of course with COVID, no one was coming, blah, blah, blah. So he was just in his truck thinking about how he was gonna be able to maintain his tour business. And um, he was driving, doing some private, you know, rides. And so when I caught up with him, I was just looking to jump in a taxi to get to my appointment. And I told him where I was going. And he said, well, I wasn't going there. I was just going to turntable, but If you need me to take you further, when everybody gets out, I will take you. I said, okay, you know, and I'm willing to pay the extra fare. So um, that's how we met. And he's my driver to this day. Like we still hang tight and it's worked for him because there haven't been any tourists. So I've been like the person that's been providing that income for him in the absence of tourists, right? So as you all know, it's tourist season again now. So I'll probably see less of him because I'll be in my location uh, trying to get the business set up. So let me get back to the bank situation because he's been with me every step of that process as well. Okay, so like I said, I met him. He takes me to the appointment for the uh, apartment. I decide I love it. I want this space. And um, When I get to the place, you know, I talk to the lady and she says, okay, well, this is how much it's going to be for three months. You know, um, my realtor was able, you all know about my realtor, C. uh, She was able to uh, convince the landlord to take three months. And I was kind of surprised because I was told they take a year. But people are open, especially with everything that's going on. They will take a year. They would take six months. They would take three months. Sorry about that, y'all. I'm getting messages on WhatsApp. So um, the landlord said three months. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like, I can take care of my other business with these funds, you know. So um, we go to, uh, we agree to meet at her bank since I don't have an account yet. 
so I can transfer my funds from my card directly into her account. Sounds reasonable, sounds easy to do, we're both present. So we go to her bank, which is EcoBank, right? And when we get to the EcoBank, you know, the girl seems like she doesn't really know what we're talking about, so I'm not really feeling comfortable with her, but there is a machine there, so how much damage can she do, right? Okay, so she takes my card, which is a card from the States. She swipes my card like it's a debit transaction. She's supposed to withdraw those funds and then give them to my landlord who is present. So let's say it's a thousand, thousand dollars. That'll be an easy number to remember. So $1,000 is supposed to come off my card and go directly into my landlord's account. So when the little receipt prints out, it says that the transaction failed. That's all it says in the receipt, transaction failed. So the girl is like, are you sure you have the funds? I'm like, of course I have the funds. Like I wouldn't be here doing this if I didn't have the funds. I'm like, it must be something with the card because I had just used a cash machine and I didn't have a problem and I knew my balance, right? Okay, so she says, well, it says transaction failed. So something told me check my account. So I have the mobile app from my bank, which is a credit union from the States on my phone. I go on my phone, I look at my account and it says that $1,000 has been withdrawn and an international service fee has been withdrawn. So let's say I think the international service fee was like $10. So that's been withdrawn with this bank's name as well as the full transaction. So I'm like, okay, you're telling me the money didn't come out, but obviously it did come out because um, it's showing on my account that these funds have been withdrawn. And she says, well, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. Um, you have to contact your bank. And I'm like, what? What kind of tomfoolery is this what are you talking about why would i need to contact my bank for a mistake you made in africa right here right now like let's call your superiors what are you talking about no it is not us it is visa if you go through visa it's going to be 45 days we have to do an internal invest i'm like this is some bull so my landlord's like, you know, calm down. It's okay. Now I'm concerned because I don't want to miss out on the space. I don't want her to think I'm playing with her time. She's like, no, no, calm down. It's okay. Um, she said, uh, I know, um, you know, an executive uh, at the, the main branch of my bank. So let's go to his office. So we go to his office and he's just like, well, no, this transaction, you know, it looks like it was done correctly, but this is something that you would have to go through your bank or Visa would have to do a 45-day thing. I'm like, this is nonsense. Like, I cannot believe that y'all are not having this girl take any responsibility for this transaction, that you're not willing to check your funds or at least get back to me at the end of the day and tell me what's going on. So nobody had an answer for me. All he could say was he was sorry. He kept apologizing. I'm like, your apologies is not putting my money back in my account. So you need to save all of that. Like, I wasn't trying to hear it. So eventually, I just told my landlord, um, I said, you know, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up because I'm getting upset and that I didn't come here to do this. So we leave and I contact my bank in the States immediately. 
and I tell them that, you know, this transaction took place. I give them the transaction number. I tell them the error that was made um, and that I need to open, you know, a claim, basically. So I open a claim to uh, let them know that this transaction was done. And I tell the guy, uh, you know, what happened. And so again, another knucklehead on the phone. Like I don't understand people when they're doing their jobs sometimes. So he says to me, well, um, this transaction would have to be proved. I'm like, what are you talking about? It has to be proved. You can see on my account that money was taken out. The name of the person who took it out is there. And I'm telling you, I have a receipt that says it wasn't done and they're not acknowledging and that this person who I'm supposed to give the money to did not receive the funds. So I'm getting frustrated now. I'm getting annoyed. I tell, so then he finally says to me that with a transaction like this, um, they have to do an investigation. And once the investigation is done, they will contact me. So then my thing is, well, I want my funds. So then what they do is they give you a provisional credit, right? So this provisional credit that they give you, they give you your money back. So let's say they give me $1,000 back. I'm like, okay, well, where's the $10 for the international fee? They won't touch that. Mind you, I'm being charged for an international fee that actually didn't happen. Whatever. I'll argue that at another time. So he says, well, we'll we'll give you back $1,000. So they put that uh, back into my account within two or three days. But now I have 30 days to respond. So here's the issue. They're going to mail it to me. It has to be mailed. So I'm like, I need more than 30 days to respond because it's going to take me 30 days to get the doggone letter that you're sending to me. Trying to explain this to him. Then, of course, I don't have an address. So now that's the issue. So what they do is they send this appeal to my old address and they're wondering why I haven't appealed. So then, like I said, this happened in like June. So by July 1st now, I'm noticing that $1,000 has been pulled out of my account. So I'm like, yo, why is this money out of my account? I told him, make a special note on the account. Tell them that I need more time to respond. He said, no problem. He would make a note of it. Y'all know he didn't make a note of it. So July 1st, when I called them, they told me they had snatched the provisional credit back because I didn't respond to prove that it happened. So I said, frustrating. So finally, I get somebody on the phone for two days. I'm telling this woman what's going on, where I'm located, what's happening, blah, blah, blah. She finally says to me that um, I need to go into that branch where this happened and demand my funds back or... They're going to send me another letter, which they sent to the wrong address again, even though I sent a correction, giving me time to appeal. So now I'm like done with the states because they're not being any of any assistance. So I go back to the bank and I tell them I want my money back. I'm like, it's been 45 days and I still haven't gotten this corrected because my bank, I explained that situation. When I tell y'all frustrating, but I wasn't giving up on my money, right? So I go to the banks. They tell me they got to investigate, come back the next morning. I'm pissed, but I leave. I come back the next day. They give me back my funds. It's the same dizzy girl that did the transaction. Never apologizes, never says sorry, never says, I'm sorry I inconvenienced you. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this transaction. And I'm like, 
the transaction you messed up and she just looks don't look for no apologies don't look for no apologies don't expect uh customer service because folks be looking at you like what don't be in a store and drop something or spill something because this is going to still be on your grocery receipt right just so y'all know heads up so then i decide after all of that i get my money back and i go you know what I think this is a sign that I need to go open my own account. I need a bank account here. Here's the problem. So when you know when you come, you have a they you have your time that you're here. If you're here past a certain amount of time, past 30 days, you need a stamp on your passport. After that, you need to be here a certain amount of time before you can get the residency stamp. So here's the drama. So I go to a bank. Now you know I'm not going to that bank that messed up my money because I don't trust them. So I go to a bank and I try to um, open an account. So they tell me you can't open an account because you don't have a residency card. I'm like, okay, where do I get this residency card? So I call my, my contact that stamps my passport, help me with my visa. And they say, well, you know, you could get it, but you have to be here past or come. When you come back in November, you'll have your residency card. So I said, okay, no problem. So that made me say, well, maybe I need to wait to open my account. But let me, and then my driver says, well, listen, come to my bank. Like we have, you know, I, they don't ask for all of that. Just go to my bank. So then we go to his bank, which is called Trust Bank. Um, and Trust Bank says, oh, we need a photo ID and we need your passport. And I'm like, Okay, so now I got to run home because I generally don't walk around my passport. I just have a picture of my passport on my phone, but they wanted a photo ID, something else. I went back to get a driver's license. I come back to the bank and uh, the guy is like, oh, no, we don't do uh, those transactions here. In in my office, you need to go see somebody up front. I'm like, what are you talking about? Your partner right there just told us to come back. He says, well, we don't do that back here. So apparently dude was going to help us when we first came. But now his supervisor's there and he's telling us we got to deal with the people in the front of the bank, whatever. So we go back, we sit with this girl and the girl says, well, you're going to love this, y'all, because it's actually a checklist of things that you need. So now this is my would have been my third trip back to the bank. And I was like, I'm not coming back. I'm going to wait till November when I get my residency card and I can go to any bank I want. So the first bank I went to was Access Bank that asked for the residency card. Um, That is a bank that's known like across the diaspora, I guess. I'm not familiar with them, but I think they might be in the UK. Um, So here's the list. Requirements, right? You need one recent passport size photograph, a valid photo ID, um, a passport, a driver's license, biometric. So you got to have official, uh, an official ID. Um, Personal details of any additional signatories, proof of address, for example, a utility bill from NAWEC, NAWEC is the electric company here. Those are the folks that I told y'all had the whole power shutdown this weekend. Um, Not a power shutdown, but they shutting down a system to reboot it. So people still have power, but you had to pay in advance to have power because if you run out, you're out of luck over the weekend. There's nowhere to buy more. You have to wait two days. Um, so NAWEC or a letter from the Revenue Authority or the Tax Council or a statement from your village, a rent payment receipt like from your landlord 
or your lease, your tenancy agreement, right? And tax ID certificate and the original documents must be seen, right? It can't be like copy type stuff. So once again, one, two, three, four, five requirements to open a bank account, recent passport, driver's license. I'm sorry, go back. A recent passport photo, a driver's license or a passport, proof of address, tax certificate, so your TIN number, right? And if you have any additional people on the account with you, you need their information as well, okay? So I just wanted y'all to know that um, so that you don't have the same kind of problems that I had trying to get uh, an account. So I even said to the woman, like, where are these things written? And this is their little book that tells you what you need to have inside. Um, they give you a book, which you write your account number. They say they want to serve you better. And this is actually from Trust Bank. And I may go back to Trust Bank. I'll see what kind of deposit they require. But the deposit is usually nominal, you know, something small, maybe like $5, $10 just to open an account. Um, but I was frust- when I get frustrated with a bank or I don't trust them to handle things, I don't really want to deal with them because I know when I'm in a crunch, I'm not going to be able to rely on them. So I don't care for banks like that. So I have to see, like I said, but um, Trust Bank was the only one who said, here's a list. These are the things you need. And hopefully next time when I go to a bank, I'll be going back with all these things to prevent the runaround and the frustration and aggravation. So... I hope that was helpful to y'all. I hope it will prevent you from having these issues when it's time for you to go to the bank. And yes, I have y'all in my bedroom. I'm sitting on my little leather patchwork puff and I am uh, presenting this information to you today and I hope you find it helpful. Take your notes and be ready. Blessings, family. Greetings, family. Uh, I just wanted to pop in for a quick update. Two things, right? First thing is that apparently November in the Gambia is not a good time to get fuel, petrol, gas, fola, whatever you want to call it. Now, I don't know if it's a coincidence that it happens to be the time that electoral candidates run cars through the community with groups of people. So, more clarity, it's election time. They're trying to, I guess, see who is the best candidate for um, their next president, for the Gambia's next president. Um, not into politics. I can only tell you what's going on right now. So what they do is they'll have like pickup trucks, vans full of people packed on top, packed in the back, and they're either yelling out the candidate's name or encouraging people to elect that person, if you will. Okay. So they go through beeping horns or there's music playing or you'll hear the group passing by, and that's been happening like ever so often throughout the day. Um, now, they can't move quickly and move that fast with a group of people with a whole lot of traffic on the road. So it only makes sense to me 
that gas would not be available for people to buy so that they can't be on the road. However, it's an inconvenience for people trying to get back and forth, people trying to travel um, to take care of their local businesses if they can't get transportation because the taxis, the sprinters, the vans, the buses, they don't have the gas they need to get from place A to B. And if they get to point B, there's no place to refill, right? There's no place to fuel up. So it's been interesting. We went out yesterday, and um, I'll do another video on that, to pick up some items. Actually, it was the day before. And my driver went to like three or four gas stations, and everybody was out. No, They didn't have diesel, and they didn't have petrol. Some of the cars can run on diesel. Um, no luck yesterday. And then finally, when we got to our location, the people there told him where he could go to fuel up, right? So he was able to get some gas to get us back um so i haven't really been anywhere because i was like well i don't really want to go out unless i have to go out i'm trying to get ready for the store opening um next week because i was hoping to get in there but the painter is still finishing up some stuff so i'm going to go over to the store tomorrow um and have somebody you know do some cleaning and then try to get set up for next week so it's just been a lot going on. Um, I have some other little businesses that I'm working on. I talked to you all about it before. Some other little surprise projects that will be presented in the store. Um, I'll have a free giveaway at the store opening as well. Um, so, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. Um, so that was that, that part about the election piece. Cars coming through, boatloads of people. Word on the street is... The folks that are in these trucks have been paid to be on these trucks. I believe it's 3,000 Delasi. Yeah, I don't know which candidate, I don't know who. I just heard that folks have been paid to be on these trucks to kind of promote electing certain officials. Could be true, could not be true. I don't know. Um, so that's the deal with that. The other piece to this, to that, right, is that I remember being told by a group that we should be careful around election time, which is in December, because it might not be so safe depending on who wins. I don't know how true that is. When I talk to certain Gambian people that I know, and they're like, what are you talking about? It's just election. Whoever wins, wins. Whoever loses, loses. Like, there's not going to be any violence. You don't need to worry. I don't know. You get one side from one group of people, one side from the other. I think you should err on the side of caution and either stay in your location or um, make other plans during that time. So just some food for thought for anybody who might be concerned about that, right? Uh, the other piece is um, I wanted to talk to you guys about was, let me see. So we talked about the election piece um, and we talked about the diesel piece. I feel like they're, you know, like I said, I think they go hand in hand, but that could just be me. Greetings, family. Back for part two 
Of course, in part one, uh, we talked about some of the financial challenges you might face in trying to do transactions with other people um, who have accounts here, uh, as well as how mistakes are handled by the bank, which was not a good report. In addition to um, getting funds back from provisional credits, how that can be a little messy on the continent. But it's something we didn't discuss, which which I think is equally um, as important. And so I actually made a list of these things, right? So there are about, let me see, one, two, three, eight things that you need to keep in mind with your finances, right? Number one. Uh, If you have a bank in the United States that you deal with and that's where your cards are coming from as well, you want to make sure you put a travel alert uh, on your card with your bank. Let them know you're going to be traveling, but you want to maintain your account there. This way, when they see transactions being done, especially in Africa, they're not stopping your card, freezing your funds and causing you any inconveniences. Okay. The other thing is, you may have a card that you use to make purchases, but you need to make sure that when you move internationally or you're traveling internationally, that that card is not listed as only um, utilized in the States. So in other words, you can only utilize that account with other U.S. banks. Some cards actually have a limit on them like that. I don't know if you all were aware, but I found that out the hard way. I bought a card with me that could only be used with other U.S. banks. So even though I had the funds, it would not allow me to withdraw those funds to make any international um, deposits or withdrawals, if that makes any sense. Second thing is... um, international transactions there will be fees involved also um, there will be fees from the bank that you are dealing with internationally as well as your home bank because now they have to um, convert the funds whether it's to US funds or Gambia funds which is Delasi US is dollars third thing um, we talked about provisional credits in the other video Uh, provisional credit may come from your bank but they are expecting you to respond within a certain within a certain time frame and if you don't they're gonna pull that provisional credit back and they usually give you about 30 days I tried requesting an extension because I knew there was no way that I would be able to respond that quickly they won't fax it they won't email it they are requiring they are requiring a wet signature so in order to get like closest to original signatures they can get, they require that the document be mailed to you and that you sign it and send it back. Some real nonsense. Nevertheless, that's how it's done. So be aware of that. Um, if you don't respond within that time frame, they pull those, those funds back without any notice. So you have to be careful. Um, the other thing was ATM fees. Uh, here, the a maximum amount that you can take out of a, of a cash machine is 8,000 Delasi, right? 8,000 Delasi, depending on the uh, exchange rate, it could be about $160. Like, that's the maximum. 
So if you need to take out $1,000, you're pulling $160, $106, like until you get close to that 1,000 mark. But also know you are paying a $2 service fee, maybe $5, because it's 200 Delasi, a $5 service fee every time you pull. So you've now paid maybe 10 transaction fees for a total of $50 just for you to be able to get a thousand. So keep that into consideration. If you go to make a withdrawal and you don't have enough to cover their fee, you're not gonna be able to make that withdrawal. You're gonna have to take it out for less. They're gonna tell you you don't have enough funds. At least that's what the machine will say, okay? So I just wanted to let you all know about that. Um, the other thing is, like I said, the maximum amount from machines that you can pull is like 8,000. And that's usually at hotels and you'll actually get a printed receipt when you request it. Other banks throughout the area, you'll be able to pull 4,000, but you're still paying the transaction fee and you won't get a receipt. Like a lot of the cash machines do not give receipts. So you have no proof of what happened at the ATM. So be careful with that. I always like to get a receipt, so I will travel a little further to be able to take out more money and to be able to get a receipt back, okay? Um, there are times when there's no cash available. Like around holidays, you wanna make sure that you are taking out whatever funds you need before or you're waiting to after. Because around the holidays, like Tabasi, different Muslim holidays, there will be no cash in the machines. All of the machines will be empty. Like. I've had the experience of going to four or five cash machines and there was no funds. There was no money to pull out. Yeah, it happens. Um, there is a Western Union. Um, I haven't used it, but there is Western Union here. Um, and there's another one that I'm really not familiar with. I forget the name of it. Rhea, Rhea, something like that. Um, but there is Western Union, so that's an option. Um, and of course, PayPal or whatever to your account if you need it. Um, but that's not something that they really do from the continent that I know about. Okay. Uh, we talked about fees paid to the bank. Also, um, if you're dealing with like Zelle or Robinhood or PayPal and you're expecting funds, like you're trying to transfer them to an international uh, account or an account for you to have access to, know that that process takes like two to three business days, right? So if you're trying to pull money from, let's say someone sends you money through Zelle, if it's their first time sending you money, the system kind of makes you wait longer to confirm and verify everything. Um, but once you've done a transaction with that person more than one time, it usually will let the transactions go through in like two to three days, business days. And I believe you can pay for it to go through faster as well. But just be aware of that so that you're not um, being inconvenienced by that process. Um, I think that's it. I just wanted to make sure I covered this stuff on the banks. Okay, right? So the other thing you need to think about um, is your phone. Now, I think that the banking information and the phone kind of goes together because I use my mobile app a lot. But know that like I've had problems with T-Mobile. I've paid for certain international 
uh, packages and yet I find out I'm paying more. Why? And I have to call them and go through the process with them about what was discussed and what was given to me. Um, I also had issues with unlocking my phone. Uh, before I left, my phone was unlocked. So I thought I had resolved that problem. But when I tried to go to a local carrier like AfriCell or QCell to get a local phone number, they were telling me my phone was locked. So I ended up calling T-Mobile again to find out why the phone is locked. Um, sometimes they will do it manually. Uh, sometimes they will send you the information for you to do it. I've tried all those processes and I'm still having issues with unlocking my phone. Me personally, I have no interest in buying a phone in Africa because the phones are like flip phones. Like you can't even fit your finger. We talking about the old phones, the ones that first came out, the ones you snap them open and they open, uh, or the ones that are so small you can barely fit your finger. I don't like phones like that. Um, so I don't want to buy one of those phones just to have a local number. So I'm still using my phones. I have my US number that I use on WhatsApp um, and that's how I am able to do what I need to do, my phone calls and stuff like that. Um, and if it's something important, then I just dial, you know, using T-Mobile's limited service. Of course, messaging is not an issue. Also know that if you were in any groups, in any groups before you left the States, like group chats, your messages may not come through when you're international. You'll be able to see all of the people that are messaging you, but you won't be able to see their messages. It'll have like a little file that tells you to download, but you won't be able to access it. That's the experience that I've had. It could just be with my package. I don't know, but I do have a small like international plan. Um, but I noticed that when I first got here. So I've asked my friends to remove me from the chats and just call me directly on like WhatsApp and stuff like that. Y'all see me sweating, right? Okay, so I'm sweating because I closed one of my windows, which is a cross breeze from the ocean because they're playing music outside. It's, you know, it's um, beach party Sunday night. So I don't want the music to come up on YouTube and then the video gets marked for, you know, me using this music without permission, all that nonsense. So I closed one of the windows. So y'all see what I do for you? I'm sweating for you. That's how hard I work. So um, that's the piece about the phone, the telephone challenges, um, phone being unlocked. I'm also internet. So I have a router um, and I also have a hotspot that I travel with, right? This one I keep in my bag and stuff. So I thought that when I bought my router, um, I'd pay like for the month, 30 days, 1850 for the plan. And then when I started using my hotspot, that would be when the other one ran out, I'd start using my hotspot. That would be 30 days as well with the same kind of plan. Not the case. Whenever you get your hotspot, your 30 days starts running from that point on. So for me, I've had to let them run consecutively, not consecutively. Cons consistently, right? Both of them are running at the same time. They're not running consecutive one after the other. They don't have it like that. When you purchase is what you purchase. When you use it, you use it. If it's still some left over, it's just left over. You don't get it back in any way. But for me, I need the hotspot from when I'm traveling and moving about so I can still have communication. This is my internet connection. The router is for when I'm home and then I will use the router when I'm in the house, when I'm loading videos and stuff like that. 
So it's just something to think about for you all to kind of work your numbers about how you're going to proceed. Um, I believe the router was about $100, the in-home piece. And then the plan is, like I said, $18.50. So that's like $50 or $60, something like that. Um, and I do that uh, monthly, and that covers all of my internet. And, you know, it's a lot. It, it takes quite a bit to use it up. Every 30 days I do it. So, like, my other one will be running out soon. When that one starts running out, I have this as a backup until I can go to replace the other one. Because there's really no way to do it and then have it 30 days. It doesn't run like that. You have to kind of do it separately. So, that's what I'm working with now. Um, we talked about the internet. Also, for me, um, if you have any old phones, bring them with you. Because that's what I did, right? I brought an old Samsung phone I had. Um, it, it's like a J3. I got it free from T-Mobile. And that's what I want to put my local number on. So I have that old phone with me. Again, trying to get it unlocked is a real process. But I'm working through it. Um, I would recommend bringing, like, if you want to play your music, make sure you bring, like, little speakers with you. Extra headphones. My headphones broke. So, you know, I don't know where my little ones are. They packed away in one of my suitcases or something. But I had like two spare ones and then I had a pair that I wore on the plane. So I would say bring extra headphones, bring a little speaker for when you want to play your music, um, bring extra chargers. Luckily, I had extra chargers. So I always have that with me in case I'm in a car or I'm traveling. I keep one in my bag. I travel with one. Have your wireless chargers as well. Have your converters. Um, you know, and if you don't, y'all can come see me because y'all know I got all that stuff, right? I, I purchased these things. Uh, I didn't bring uh, extra headphones, but I have to get more because I've run through all of them. Um, and I think that's it. Um, I gave you the information about the bank and a little bonus about your phone. I hope this information is helpful. I'll be loading some additional videos about um, mail because now I'm doing the online stuff and it's a real process so i want to make sure you all are prepared for that as well blessings family i hope this was helpful